Well, George Clooney didn't have a prophetic word about a perfect storm, but the Apostle Paul did. So the only question becomes, how do we handle a prophetic word in the midst of a storm? Hello and welcome to The Midweek Move, the show where we go through the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, to discover its context, its meaning, and practical application. I'm Dallas. I'm so glad to have you guys here with us, whether you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, wherever you got this podcast. Hey, thank you for being part of our community. Uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, we are diving deep into the book of Acts once again. Acts chapter 27. Cannot believe we're 27 chapters into this. I'm amazed. But we are joined once again by Pastor Scott. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Dallas. Hey, it is Tempest. It is the storm. It is the perfect storm. It is <laughs> all of that. And I'm like you. I can't believe we're in chapter 27. That means 27 weeks. Yeah. We have been doing this podcast. 27 That's episodes year. of the midweek move, which is awesome. <laughs> and hey, just as a little teaser, y'all, get ready for summer. <laughs> It's, for the midweek move, it is going to be, gonna be different. awesome in the midweek move. It is going to be amazing. But yet I digress. That's just a little teaser, y'all. Just a little something for you guys That's as right. we dive into it. Um, over the last 27 weeks, guys, we have been walking through the book of Acts. We talked about uh, Holy Spirit falling out. We've been talking about the early church. We've been talking about Paul and his vast travels taking place. And last week we met with Ben. It was really encouraging. It was a fantastic conversation about Acts chapter 27, I mean, I'm sorry, 26, and Paul before um, Agrippa and Festus and just declaring his testimony, what he is. And we talked about the importance of ourselves sharing our testimony, how it doesn't matter what, where you came from, your testimony is your testimony, and it is that Jesus saved you. But now, on the back end of this, um, Paul's going to have to face some stuff, because at the end of chapter 26, there was clearly said, if Paul had not appealed to Caesar... He would just be able to go free, but now it's time for him to move forward. And we're jumping into verse 1 of chapter 27. Let's do this. And when it was decided that he should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some of the prisoners uh, to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regime. So entering a ship of Adirinium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Um our Artiscus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And I want to pause right here because we got a lot of vocabulary here, Pastor, of us, we, that's suggesting who's who's uh, saying this right here. Yeah, so you've got, um, you've got um, several things happening here. It's talking about um, we should sail to Italy. Again, Paul's not just been on this journey by himself. Right. Um, and and we find that even in Romans where he calls back to even people who have been with him throughout this journey right at all different matters of points so Paul is again it seems like he's alone <laughs> but he's not alone right because even if there's not de- uh, apostles or disciples around him there mm-hmm. are other prisoners around him that's sometimes I think what we forget right is that Paul was a prisoner although, not always in the dungeon in chains. Sometimes he was a free prisoner, a freed man, quote unquote, that he was under more of like a house arrest, but he's never alone. There are other people who who have been on trial for different things. Mm -hmm. And when they go from place to place, they have to be transported. If they're being brought before a different leader, Mm -hmm. that different leader is not normally even in the same region. So they've got to go to a different, sometimes country. Right. 
in that, they're not just jumping on a Cessna. Right. <laughs> or they're not just jumping in an airplane taking off. Right. They're traveling by sea. Absolutely. They're going from port to port. So your Shreveport is called a port city. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, if you leave from here, there are many different ways that you can go. If you go downstream, you can end up in the Gulf, mm-hmm. which has ports, mm-hmm. different places. So when we look at the life of Paul, again, he's not just uh, himself alone, but it also says in verse one, some other prisoners right. to one named Julius, a centurion, right. who has been put in charge. So again, not only do you have Felix Agrippa, you've also got people like Julius mm-hmm. who are in charge of transporting prisoners, Right. sometimes from one ship to another ship, and right. then somebody's in charge of them on that ship, Exactly. and then they go to another place. So again, Paul with multiple other people. Sure. And specifically, although on the strip again, with him, with the vocabulary of we and us, we know that's the writer of the book of Acts is with him, which yep. is Luke. So Luke's traveling. So this is not just a Luke going, I heard this. Our researchers, Luke's going, I lived this, which is going to be important as we get into this because there's a lot of detail here. One of the detractors of people is like, well, there's just a lot of stuff here. And there's, there is a, there's a thought process of too much detail suggests maybe it wasn't real. No. This is a firsthand account. On yep. top of that, we have... And when you realize who's writing it, it makes perfect sense of why there's detail. Exactly. Again, just like the book of Luke, mega details. Exactly, because that's who Luke was. Yep. On top of that, we had this Ariscus guy who was a Macedonian. He was one of the guys with Paul in Ephesus in the right, who was also taken up by the uh, the people. So he's not traveling by himself. He's actually surrounded by people who know him well Yep. and that are going on this journey. So picking it back up in verse 3. And the next day we landed in Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. Now, this is interesting to me. Is this done out of the fact that he's a Roman citizen, Pastor? Well, we've seen that right. in the past where some of these leaders are unsure of how they're supposed to deal with Paul. Right. Because on one hand, they probably want to be super aggressive with him because mm-hmm. he's Jewish. Right. But the moment they find out he's a Roman citizen— immediately the narrative almost changes immediately Mm -hmm. because now they're like, wait a second. We've already seen firsthand where leaders said, stop, stop, stop. No, we can't do this to him. Right. He's a Roman citizen. We need to bring him to the leadership. And we saw that through Felix. We saw it through Agrippa. We saw everybody's trying to pass the buck with this guy. Mm -hmm. A lot of it does have to do with his citizenship. So I believe that it is – we would probably lean towards, yes, Julius is treating this. He's treating him kindly because of his citizenship. Right. Okay, cool. Again, Paul knows how to use that too. Right. So verse 4, when he had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus uh, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myria, the city of Lycia. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy and put us on board. Now, this is interesting, the fact that he's putting on this particular ship. Again, it's kind of making transfers here, but this ship was more than likely a grain ship. It was more likely going from Alexandria where they had uh, stores of grain and stuff like that. So in Italy, um, there are Rome, there, you know, there's an old phrase, the army marches on their stomach. And so this is not just a, any boat. This is an important boat yeah. that... Um, they take very good care of. There's a lot of important people on this boat at the same time. All right, verse 7. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty in in Snidius, 
The wind was not permitting us to proceed. We sailed under the shelter of Crete off the off of Salmon, passing it with difficulty. We came to a place called Fairhaven near the city of Lycia. So this isn't just going from one place to another. Mm-mm. I mean, this is a journey. Mm-hmm. Again, we think in these 21st century terms of, man, we can just get anywhere within an hour or two, mm-hmm. whether we drive. If we jump on a plane, we can get there quicker. You know, Dallas, 40 minutes from Shreveport. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tailwind, sometimes even faster than that. Right. This is not that. We're talking about days upon days upon days, sometimes a journey that maybe would take us not very long at all today may take weeks for these people because, again, they have to go port to port to right. port. Your point being a grain ship, well, what happens when people eat of that? You have to replenish that. Where do you replenish that? You replenish that at a port. Right, exactly. And to point out the fact that this isn't just a, a leisure cruise. They, <laughs> time after time, there are difficulties, terrible wind. There's terrible uh, other aspects of the ocean they're having to deal with. This isn't like like today, you know, we, we hop in a boat or on a, in a car and we go somewhere. I have a friend driving from uh, Portland or from Washington State down to Shreveport here in a few days. Now, he's Ironmaning this thing. He's driving 30 hours straight. It's going to be rough, but it's going to be okay. Yep. Here, these guys are traveling for weeks in turbulent weather and other conditions just to get to one location. And again, even just a little bit of wind, it says they're sailing, mm-hmm. not boating. Mm-hmm. They're sailing. Right. So there's, it's not like they've got, you know, four, 300 horse Mercury's on the back of this boat, you know, bring it sailing. So sails are important. Right. Wind has, has a tendency to tear sails. Right. If you tear sails, then those things have to be mended. Exactly. What is Paul? He's a tent maker. <laughs> yeah. So you're a, you're a prisoner on a boat. And if you're a prisoner on a boat, then guess what? It's probably not just deckhands who are doing the work. Right. You're probably involved with the work. Prisoners are doing the work. So again, here you're 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 not just in some dungeon doing nothing. It says that they were kind to him, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's still a prisoner. Right. Which means he's probably still working. He's basically a deckhand. Yeah. And he's probably using his gift mm-hmm. to 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 create space for people to sail safely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Verse nine. And I'm sorry. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fat, uh, because the fast was already over, Paul advised them. Now, before we get towards advising, you got something? No. <laughs> okay. The uh, vocabulary of the fast. Now, this was probably related to the fast up from uh, the Day of Atonement mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Now, this puts us in a specific time of year, specifically which is September to November, which during this time frame, it was really dangerous to see or to sail at the sea in the sea at the time. Um, it wasn't necessarily the, the fastest stuff didn't have anything necessarily to do with it. It was a marker for the Jewish audience to go. This is what the time frame we're in. Yep. I'm understanding the detail that's going into this as an early reader. Again, these are all signs of, of Luke writing these things out. Verse 10. Uh, when I perceived that this voyage will end, I'm sorry, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Mm. Now, 
Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable in, to winter in, the majority advised to set sail and there, so, there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwest and northwest in winter there. Which, if you look at that, to your point, seasons and time of year, mm -hmm. when they're saying that because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the one they were going into, so where did they say? Okay, so let's go closer to Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, mm -hmm. which although it's still winter, it's a different kind of winter. Mm -hmm. So it's like we just got back from the the southwest, and there was snow, mm -hmm. but it's very dry there. Right. So it was like 31 degrees. I went outside in my shorts and flip-flops, <laughs> and the snowflakes were huge. I mean, they were massive. We don't see these kind of snowflakes in Louisiana. Right. And they were massive, yet I wasn't just freezing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't shivering. If it would have been that temperature with snow falling in Louisiana, mm -hmm. I it would go through my bones. Yeah. It would be so cold. Why? It's a difference. It's winter there going into spring. It's kind of winter here going into spring. Mm -hmm. But it's different. It's totally different. So when he talks about, well, why is it any different from there to there? It's the same principle. Right. It's a different kind of cold. It's a different <laughs> kind of, um, it's a different kind of, especially if you're sailing. Right. It's different. Right. Not to mention these, there are different port places that, again, early audience would go, oh, I know Phoenix. I know Fairhaven. They're like, these guys have prepared for winter. These guys have not. Again, yep. A bunch of tiny, tiny details adding up to the the Luke and writing of it all, but it's on purpose. It's to help the audience travel along with Paul as he goes through this. All right, verse thirteen. When the south wind blew soft, uh, softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to, to sea, they sailed close to Crete. There's another clue again. The south wind blew softly, mm -hmm. not from the harbor they were at, but they were already heading towards Crete. Mm -hmm. It had already shifted and changed. Right, exactly. Verse 14, but no longer after a temp, uh, temp, tempestuous, head, tempestuous, thank you, headwind arose called uh, Eurocilidon. Now, I had to look this up. I, obviously, I did not look up how to pronounce the daggum thing, but <laughs> this is a particular type of wind that causes massive waves. Mm -hmm. So no longer is it just we're being tossed around, it's heavy wind. Now we're dealing with some massive waves. I, I relate this to, we made a joke earlier about, about ships, um, the, the Poseidon Adventure, the, the very movie that makes me not want to ride a boat ever in my life, uh, massive waves that could topple over this important boat and all the people on board. Verse 15, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Now, what does that term mean to let her drive? Well, you, there's, it's almost the same as if you're in a, um, you're in a vehicle and mm -hmm. if there is a wind and you're in a vehicle, sometimes you can try to go against it so much mm -hmm. that the counter to that would create an accident. So if you're on the water, you can, at, especially if you're sailing, at times you can you can guide it, but at other times you have to pull back a little bit mm -hmm. and let more of the wind do the mm -hmm. work and guide it as you go um, from place to place. Right. Again, depending on, because it, 
at sea or wherever you're at on the water, it can change in a moment, especially here. Mm-hmm. I mean, even at the Sea of Galilee, when you're on the Sea of Galilee, one of the reasons why when when they wrote, and Luke was one of them that wrote about it, mm-hmm. a storm rose up quickly. And it's like, well, surely they would have had time. Well, if you realize the Sea of Galilee, you're almost in a bowl. Mm-hmm. It takes less than 10 minutes to create a capsize situation for a boat. Mm. So if you have no warning, it makes sense of how a storm could just come out of nowhere. <laughs> right. It's the same thing here. Right. And in the midst of this, as a quote-unquote caps captain or a salesman, you have got to be able to discern, mm-hmm. do I go against, do I grab it, do I take it, do I let it go? Right. Right. Which is what they're talking about here. Right. So I want, I'm, I'm inviting you guys. We're going through this pretty detailed. I want to invite you guys listening to, to really put yourself in the situation. Here we are with, for weeks, Paul's been sailing on a boat. It's been tossed around, pushed around. Now we have giant waves. And then now we have such a turbulent situation that the captain of the ship's like, hey, just grab the rudder and make sure we don't run ashore. <laughs> We're going to ride this out as best as we can. This isn't a chilled, relaxed situation. These people are scared, more than likely. It almost reminds me of this song from the... Uh, it may have been written in the late 60s, but I know it was released in the early 70s, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which was a, uh, a freighter that was in the Great Lakes, and it was going from one spot to another, mm-hmm. and it was in the winter. And what ends up happening is that you know they're all having a good time and they're all doing this. And then all of a sudden the captain's like, Hey, this is happening. And the way the song goes, and it's a true story, Mm -hmm. but the way the song goes, it's like, okay, let's ride this out or let's try to do this. Let's try to do this. And then all of a sudden it's like, gentlemen, get ready. Cause we're going down. It's like just any moment. And Mm. that's exactly what's happening here is like any moment it can be, okay, we're good. Mm -hmm. We're going to let it ride out. Whoop. Wait a second, we're not. But again, <laughs> go back to the prophetic word that Paul had. Right. That the helmsman, you know, that the that the leader refused to believe, and he believed the helmsman because right. he knows the sea, mm-hmm. he knows this boat, but he didn't know the Lord. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> you can know everything about a situation in the natural. But if you don't know what the Lord is saying, mm-hmm. it can put you in a terrible situation. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So pick it up in verse 16. In running under the shelter of the island of Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty, meaning they pulled up the, the rowboat they have with them. And again, with difficulty means the wind's still blowing. They're struggling here. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship in fear, uh, in fearing lest they should run aground with the uh, cistreous sands, which apparently are a series of quicksands in that area. Uh, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly, I'm sorry, because we were exceedingly tempest tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. Got to get the weight off. Right? So they start throwing stuff overboard. Yep. Again, this is a boat with grain that's important to Caesar. And they're like, we're going to get rid of this stuff because yeah. we and don't want to. And then verse 19 goes next level. Right. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard <laughs> with our own hands. Now, what is tackle? Now, there. this is basically we're unloading everything at this point. Mm-hmm. Now it's like... Not just supplies. Like if we don't, some of this stuff is absolutely essential for you. As it it would almost be like you know if you take if you just take um, lake fishing. Well, you got 
tackle with you. You've got certain things you've got to have mm-hmm. on a on a boat on a lake. You've got certain things you've got to have, and if you don't have those things, then you're not going to be able to to navigate what you need to navigate. You may be able to survive, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what we find here is that you've got, like you said, you've got the supplies are going overboard. This isn't just something going, hey, by the way, you may want to, you know, hey, that backpack is not needed. Check that bag. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it can't go in the overhead bin. Right, right. right. Check that. No, that's these are essentials that are being go- thrown overboard because to save life. This is panic mode. Right. Exactly. All right, verse 20. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Darkness. Now, not no stars. That freaks out a sailor <laughs> because that's how they sail. Mm-hmm. Right? For many days and no small tempest beat on us and all hope that we would be saved was fi- had was finally given up. And no small tempest beat upon us, which means everything was big. Right. Like it was complete and total. It, it's almost like you, you referenced a perfect storm. Every time Tanya sees the teaser for perfect storm, she almost panics. Oh, wow. Because it's that giant wave that's coming over the top of the boat, and the right. boat's just kind of moving slowly, move, and you know where it's going. It's right. capsizing. Yeah, yeah. And all Tanya thinks about is the water just overtaking, not just the boat, but like even herself being mm-hmm. overtaken by water. And that's what we're seeing here is just this continual. And if you've ever been on a, a boat or anything that's big mm-hmm. on the water, you know this, the mm. back and forth, and you know what that makes you feel like. Mm-hmm. But just imagine that with panic and anxiety and fear. And now all hope is gone. Mm. That we would even be saved has finally given up. Right. This is a terrible place to be. But it's interesting that it's when they get to this point, that's where the Lord begins to speak. Uh, verse 21. But after long absence from food, then Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete in incurring this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there, for there stood before uh, by me, this night, an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid. Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. What did he just say here in this situation here? Well, what did I he mean, bring to these guys? Number one, he's saying, listen, I had a word from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- it wasn't just me. It sounds like Paul is being a little... Uh, maybe arrogant here, but he's really not. If, <laughs> right. you, if you read it in its its original state, he's like, man, you should have listened to me. But what he's referring to is, listen, I had a word from the Lord and you guys didn't listen. I mean, you didn't listen to what the Lord was saying. Right. God gave us a word right. to not sail from Crete and we would have not incurred any of this disaster and loss. He's talking about all those things they threw overboard already. That's right. loss. And it also said that after a long abstinence from food, we would call that involuntary fasting. Right. <laughs> if you don't have any food, you're fasting, but it's not voluntary, right? Right. And so 
But then he goes on to say, but look, God has sent me a messenger again. Mm -hmm. And remember, here's what the Lord said. Right. We're not going to lose our lives. So even in the midst of hopelessness, because up further, it said that they had lost all hope of even surviving. Mm -hmm. There was no hope. They had no hope. Paul is restoring hope here. Right. It sounds harsh, but it's not harsh. Mm -hmm. He's saying, listen, the Lord said this at the beginning, but he's just confirmed it again. Right. Although you guys think there is no hope, there is hope. Right. God says we will survive. Right. All of us. Mm -hmm. Because... God has a plan that I have to get before Caesar, and he said that all of you would go with him. Right. Not just that. It's also not just bringing hope, but it's also a reminder of God's grace. He said, like, there was opportunity for us to avoid all this. Yep. We're in the middle of it now, but you're going to get through it. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to go through all this stuff. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are going through their own personal storms of life, and they're like, they're having this regret. They're going back in their minds like, if I only had done this, if I only had only listened to this, if I only listened to the Lord say this. Well, God's here saying, okay, well, we're here. We can't change what happened then, but I have hope for you today. There's yep. going to be something coming down the pipeline for you. Verse 25, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will, I'm sorry, for I believe God that it will be just as he told, as it was said to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, however, <laughs> we have to get to a certain island. Right. And they had to be thinking, well, how are we going to do that? Like, we can't even control what's happening now. Right. How can we make sure that we get to a certain island? But as we see, <laughs> it's about to take place. Right. Now, when the 14th night had come, 14th night. Yeah. As we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took uh, soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they they took uh, soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. I think it's interesting here that the talents and the gifts that they had could not prevent them from losing um, tackle, Mm -hmm. losing the the necessities for that boat to, to, to sail losing necessities for livelihood, a provision, food. Mm-hmm. Yet now, after Paul reminds them of what God said and restores hope, mm-hmm. now they begin to use their giftings to find this island that was prophesied that they need to get to. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's very interesting because up to this point, it says, okay, there's helmsmen, there's crewmen, there's all these people, yet they still find themselves in an impossible situation. But now, after Paul almost seemingly restores hope, mm-hmm. now it's like, okay, well, let's use our giftings. We know this. We we know the soundings. We know uh, how to find an island. We know, we know, we know, we know. But right. before this, it was like, we know, but we're not sure, and we can't do anything about it. Exactly. All the right. prophetic word will bring hope, and it will remind you that God does have a plan, even if you don't want to hear it. Mm, so good. Verse 29, then fearing lest they should run around on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. They prayed. (laughs) They prayed for day to come. Right. We've not heard any suggestion that they were praying before this. Mm -mm. We knew Paul was praying. Right. But there's no suggestion that they were ever praying Mm -hmm. before. Again, after Paul's word of hope, Mm -hmm. now they are praying. Right. Right. 
Verse 30. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, they, uh, when they let down the, sh- uh, the skiff to the sea under pretense of putting out anchors uh, from a prow, Paul said to the centurion and the, uh, said to the centurion and the soldiers, "Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved." That'd almost be like telling people in the Titanic, "Don't use the la- lifeboats." Right. <laughs> Stay on the Titanic. Like that's almost parallel to that word. Right. Like, yes, I know it looks like you can take the you can take the skit, you could do that, and you can go aground. But if you do that, you're gonna die. Right. You've got to stay on this mangled, beaten up boat. Right. And you'll survive. Absolutely. Verse 32. And the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. Now, this is a big ordeal. Imagine what that would have felt like. I mean, that's like that's like going, this could be my salvation. This looks like my back door out of here. Yep. I'm leaving no room using our vocabulary here. I'm wondering if they would have done this same thing before Paul brings the confirming, hopeful, prophetic word. No, that's a good question. Would they have... Because it does seem like... And again, we can only kind of go so far with this of... of you, what were what was the meaning of the writer? Right. And what are they meaning here? And what we can get close to that, right? But I'm thinking in my brain, when he brings this prophetic word of hope, nobody's going to die. All of a sudden, it seems like their mindset changes. Mm-hmm. Like like the way that they saw things seemed to change because they began to do things they weren't doing before then. Right. They began to use gifts that they seemingly didn't use before. Mm -hmm. And now they're doing something that it seemed impossible, that they would never do this. Right. Something had to shift Mm -hmm. for them to be able to go, okay, this may be our life raft, but we're going to cut it. Right. Because of this word. Exactly. Verse 33, And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, praying, our saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment for this is uh, for your survival, since not a hair will fall from your head of any of you. And when he had said these things, and he took the bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, and when he had broken it, he began to eat. Paul's almost taking communion in the middle of a shipwreck. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like the violin players on the Titanic always with yeah, bread. He's right. like, <laughs> wow. He's like, we're going to give thanks to the Lord for this for the moment. Mm. But it's interesting because in the midst of panic, he's keeping his priorities and his eyes on the Lord. He says, That's I'm giving so thanks good. to the Lord for this moment. And he's doing in the pre- Sometimes we're real timid to act Christian to act like we've served the Lord in front of other people, yeah. especially when there's panic going on. But this doing so sparked something. Verse 36. You know what this reminds me of? What's that? He will prepare a table. He will prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's almost like in the midst of this turmoil and these enemies of Paul, God has prepared a table mm-hmm. for him. And... I, I don't know. That just, for some reason, that just hit me. He will prepare a table for us yeah. in the presence of our enemies, almost as a confirmation. Yeah. Like Paul's reaction to what's happening, I think, is a confirmation to everybody. This guy, even though we may not believe him, I think he's heard from the Lord. Yeah. Like this is real. Mm-hmm. 
even though I, I may not believe it, this is real. And I think that's a real encouragement to us. Like you said, that in, in the presence of an ungodly culture, sometimes we pull back mm -hmm. like, oh, let me go take the bread in a closet right. at my work mm -hmm. uh, at lunch because I don't want anybody to know that I'm <laughs> taking communion or I'm giving thanks to God rather than just openly doing it with confidence right. in the midst of whatever situation as a witness and a testimony that God is in control. Exactly. And it wasn't like he was making a spectacle of the thing. This is what he did as a Jew. That's right. He's just serving the Lord as he would. That's so good. Just daily living. Right. Verse 36, then they were all encouraged. Right there. <laughs> what were they encouraged by? He's just breaking bread and and giving thanks and eating it. Right. That, that's it. But yet they're encouraged. Yeah. And also took food for themselves, it says. Yeah. Now, of course they're encouraged because they haven't eaten in two weeks. <laughs> right. Right? They haven't eaten in two weeks. No sustenance for them at all. But still, again... The atmosphere, quote unquote, mm -hmm. spiritual atmosphere has changed. Right. It's amazing what happens when the body of God does what God calls them to do, mm. not for any particular spectacle, but just because it's what God says to do and the encouragement that gives other people. And that's what's happening. People are encouraged by Paul just serving the Lord. Yep. Uh, verse 37. In, in all we, I'm sorry, in, in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. 276 guys Wow! for so many days being tossed around. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. They're having their last meal. Their last meal. And then thrown <laughs> away what's important to Caesar. They're like, we're done. We're not, we can't hold on to this anymore. Yeah, it's like, it's like now they're not even thinking about the consequences when they go before their leader. Right. It, that's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Again... Is that because of the confirmation that Paul brings and gives hope? Mm. Because it seems like up until that point, they're all trying to not just save themselves, but save face right. as well. But now it's gotten to this point where it's like, no, we don't care about any of that. Right. Because we have this word that we're going to survive. Right. And that's what matters. <laughs> exactly. All right. Verse 39. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed the bay with a with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go of the anchors and lifted them and in, uh, in, uh, left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosing the rudders uh, ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a piece where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the um, and the prow stuck fast, remaining uh, remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, least, uh, least any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. Right they, there, kept them from their purpose, mm. their whole purpose. What was their purpose? To get those prisoners, right? Mm -hmm. And also to avoid them from escaping, like they said. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to swim away and escape. And the centurion, again, wanting to save Paul. I'm not sure we can put an exclamation point on this enough, <laughs> is that when you serve the Lord and when you follow Christ and you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, mm. 
that there are scenarios in your life in which God not only puts his hand upon you and protects you, but he will do that for others because of their proximity to you. Mm -hmm. It's not that everybody's blessed because you're blessed. It's not that kind of thing. But in this scenario, it's, it's clear. The centurion wants to save Paul. God's already given this word that Paul has to go before Caesar. Right. And now he's using the life of Paul and his citizenship and everything we've talked about mm -hmm. to not just save Paul, right, but to save 275 others. Right. I mean, God is so big. He's in everything. <laughs> he really is. All right. So the centurion wanted to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard and get uh, first and get to land, and the rest some on board. I'm sorry, in the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. So they didn't, the boat didn't necessarily get to the quote unquote island. Right. But they did. They did. Which, which is the what the promise was. Which is what the <laughs> promise was. In our minds, we would think, okay, the boat has to get there. It's going to run ashore. We're going to be good. You know, we're going to tie it off. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be good. But no, there's nothing left. It's being shattered right. because it's run aground. It's stuck. It's not even getting to where, but that's not what God said. Right. God said you would get there. Exactly. If you will get to the island. And I think a lot of times when God gives us a word, we try to add our own narrative into that word. Mm. And when it doesn't turn out the way that we thought it would turn out, then we get mad at God because it didn't turn out the way that we wanted, yet God said it was going to happen that way all along. Right. It's just that we inserted our narrative in it and made it something different than what God created it for. It wasn't that the boat would get there. It was that all of the people would get there safely. Word. So good. So good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Acts chapter 27. Lots of details. Lots of details. Pastor, what's your big takeaway? My big takeaway is if you're a sailor, you were just uh, fed Monster and Red Bull. <laughs> there were terminologies, words spoken that uh, Dallas and I are not experts in, that many of you boaters were just like, ah, and you understood everything. You saw it all in your brain happening. You were going, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Why right. didn't they do that? But ultimately, I think my big takeaway in this is that um, how, how God didn't stop the storm. Mm -hmm. But God did still Paul's heart and mind. Right. And how Paul was able to keep his focus on the Lord yeah. in the midst of all. I know we read it and we go through it and we're we kind of are casual about our reading and we forget how chaotic and crazy this had to be. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, a couple of weeks of just absolute terror, uh, fear, uh, anxiety, stress, no sleep, no food, all of those things. And we know that no sleep and no food will make you see things, make you feel a certain way. Exactly. You know, all of those things happening. And yet Paul still, is that total peace in his heart and his mind mm -hmm. of what the Lord had said. And I, I I don't know. We don't know until we're there if we can do that. Right. 
But we can know that if our eyes are focused on the one that Paul had his eyes focused on, then mm-hmm. we can. Absolutely. And I think that's that's my big takeaway is how the Lord did not stop the storm. Right. He could have at any point, and we know that. Right. But that was not the desired purpose of this whole scenario. Exactly. The desired purpose was Paul gets before Caesar. Mm-hmm. And that the Lord would do it in the way that the Lord said he would do it. Right. And no other way. So good. And Paul kept his focus on that. And because of that, 275 others were saved. Right. Absolutely. That's kind of where I'm at with my big takeaway is that, again, it's what we see happening here is chaos and mayhem. And yet Paul kept focused. He kept his eyes on the Lord. He just did his life like he normally would. He was probably on that ship mending uh, the the, uh, the sails as best he could. He definitely just, he's like, I'm breaking bread. And I'm giving thanks to the Lord because this is what I do. When we are and in the habit of faithfully living our life in front of the Lord, as we should, when the chaos comes, we can function. It's Daniel. It's Daniel Absolutely. all over again. Daniel's facing the window. Right. He's doing his prayers. He's 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 fasting. He's he's praying. He's doing everything the Lord has called him to do. And then chaos breaks out. Worship this idol. Worship this king, or you will die. And Daniel said, sorry, I'm just going to continue to do what I know to do. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on the Lord. I will not bow to any other except him. And I think that, you know, there is there is something to be said of just being faithful. Absolutely. I know we all want the superstar story and we all want the (laughs) super miracles and we all want the storm to stop and the rains to stop. But just being faithful when the storm doesn't stop. Right. We, we talked about this even earlier today in, in our in our staff meeting about the mundane is important. Yep. Absolutely. Just keeping up with it. So we want to hear from you guys. Have you been going through a, uh, to allegorize this a little bit, are you going through a storm right now? Do you need prayer? Would you like for us to pray with you, encourage mm-hmm. you? Reach out to us, mediahub at thbcreport.com or even private message us on our Facebook page, uh, uh, me, uh, Midweek Move. And uh, we'll get back to you. We'll pray with you, encourage you. But understand, us doing that isn't the end all. It takes you keeping your eyes on the Lord. We'll love to help you with that. We'll love to walk you through what that looks like. Just reach out to us and let us know how we can encourage you. Until next time, guys, have a great week.